With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bécher, meaning digger. Hello everybody, welcome along to another edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast. I'm James taking you through this one and pleasure to have a very good guest on this edition of the podcast. It's uh, Timal Mills and Timal, I've seen you on my TV screen over the last few days as well. You've uh, started doing your, your commentary stints too um, and obviously still bowling fast for Sussex in the T20 Blast. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Been, um, yeah, on both sides of the, of the camera but um, definitely for being out on the field. It's nice to be back playing again for Sussex. Really enjoying playing in the Blast. So yeah, it was a, a, quite a long time off, but um, nice to be back playing again. I was going to ask you about that with the lockdown. And I mean, there was plenty of times at the start of the summer where I thought we wouldn't see a ball bowled this year with um, lockdowns and COVID-19. With a very small window for you now with the T20 Blast, you must have been concerned you might not get on the on the park at all. Yeah, it was it was touch and go. It, it was maybe a little bit less so for me and the Blast. I think if, if there was going to be any cricket played, the blast was going to be the cricket. It was kind of the four-day lads that were sweating a bit that that, that competition would also get postponed for the whole year. So, um, yeah, obviously I had a longer break. I got back from Pakistan in what, mid-March and then, yeah, I, I returned back to training end of July. So it was quite a, quite a long break. But yeah, it's been nice to, to, to just be back playing again now. I'm grateful to be playing. I'm going to take you through the Cricket Badger podcast 20 questions today, Timal. And we'll start off with question number one, which is pretty much always the place we start. If not a cricketer, where would life have taken you? What would you be doing now? Uh, well, we kind of touched on it. Obviously, I've done quite a lot of media work alongside my cricket. I studied sports journalism at university straight out of school. So it was always a, always an interest. Um, then obviously my cricket kind of took off and kind of ran with that. but then. Since I became kind of a T20 player, obviously that freed up a lot of time. I've got a lot of spare time that obviously lads that are playing all forms don't have. So um, I kind of pursued kind of a few, um, you know, leads and a few contacts in the media. And I've, I've been really lucky to, to form some good relationships at, 
at Sky and BBC. Yeah, I'd probably, it's hard to say, for definite, but I'd imagine um, I'd, I'd kind of have gone down that path. And is that something you see yourself doing post-cricket? I think so. Like, I, keep, I keep getting asked back, so I must be doing okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think so. I've got another business interest. I've got a, a cricket site called Pace Journal, which I've, I've recently um, come on board with. So we uh, we interview fast bowlers and we just launched the batting channel as well. So um, I'm trying to kind of uh, keep, a, keep a few irons and a few fires and no, but obviously I'm only 28, so hopefully I've got a few more years left of playing in. Well, you're a man for me to stay in touch with then, because I'm always looking for work. So if there's any, if you when your business gets <laughs> massive, you can employ me and uh, and give me some uh, give me some dollar. Exactly. I saw uh, I just watched a little bit of a video of you on on YouTube, and you said on that that you didn't really have anything to do with cricket when you were growing up, and it wasn't until probably the age of 14 that you realised you could bowl quite quickly and unleash a few ferocious deliveries and and take a few wickets. Was that how how it went? Yeah, I didn't grow up in a cricket family. I didn't grow up in a cricket kind of town or anything where I grew up in a small town in Suffolk. My school didn't play cricket. I went to just the local state school and it's where I grew up. It's mainly just the, the private schools that played cricket. So cricket wasn't kind of immediately available to me. I played every other sport, football, basketball, rugby, athletics. And then, yeah, when I was 14, my mate was playing for a, he played for a club team, just a little midweek league. Uh, team for a, for a cycle Tudnam and um, yeah they were short one night they needed a, an extra player my mate asked if I could go and help out and I did and um, yeah I kind of I, I turned my arm over realised that I could do it quite quickly I, I had no idea what I was doing but um, yeah I just enjoyed it and then I kind of just played played socially with those guys for the rest of that summer then went on to some just playing Sunday league cricket for the same side and then from there kind of moved to a, a more established club Mildenhall where I, I played kind of started to play my adult cricket then kind of onto Suffolk age groups and then got pushed onto Essex from there so it was quite a yeah quite a quick quick rise kind of looking back on it the next question is who has been the biggest influence on your cricket career obviously it came a bit later than maybe some of the answers we've had on the podcast before but was there somebody that saw you and thought there's a professional cricketer in that in that lad yeah so I said my influences as you said didn't come until I was older maybe I didn't have an influence obviously growing up so John Childs he was the academy coach at Essex that kind of you know, scouted me and gave me an academy contract. So he was my first proper cricket coach as such. Um, so I owe a lot to him. And then once I uh, once I turned professional on the staff at Essex, Chris Silverwood, obviously now the England head coach, he was the bowling coach at Essex. So Booms was my first bowling coach that I, I worked with, you know, obviously exclusively and day in, day out. So I, I owe a lot to him and to, to Kevin Shine, who for a long time was, um, the England kind of lead fast bowling coach. Obviously, I kind of got accelerated through the England pathways when I was 19, 20, and I was 21, and I did a lot of work with them. So, yeah, if, if I had to say, kind of John Charles is my first coach, really, of any description, and then um, Silvers and, and Kevin Shine for the for the work that I've kind of, the, the initial kind of bowling work that they did with me. Your pathway through, you played for England in the 19s, you got onto the England Performance Programme. England are always crying out for a fast bowler, aren't they? Somebody, it's sexy, isn't it, to bowl at 90 plus miles an hour and to, and to scare batsmen and to win, win matches. So they obviously saw that in you. That was, that was an advantage for you, I guess, to be bowling fast. And, and left arm as well, it kind of gives you a little bit of a distinction from some of the other guys too. Oh yeah, look, I'm not, I'm not naive to the fact that I, I pretty much got as far as playing England in the 19s playing England Lions and earning a professional contract with Essex purely because I could bowl left arm 90, in and around 90 mile an hour. The rest of my cricket wasn't up to the standard. I couldn't bat, I couldn't field, I wasn't really fit enough. But those attributes kind of got me that far. And then 
but attributes only will get only will get you so far. Um, it then got to a stage where you, you're always going to plateau, no matter what sport, no matter what level. And I then had to raise everything else in my game up. Also, my bowling had to improve in terms of accuracy, fitness, as just, as I said, batting, fielding. So. Yeah, I definitely got fast track through the system, which obviously I'm grateful for. Um, and then, as I say, I've had to, at various points in my career, you know, upskill and, and take things to another level. What's been the best moment in your cricket career? If I could take you back to 24 hours that you've experienced and you could relive it again, where would you take me? Oh, tough. I've, I've had a, I've had an amazing career. I've had, obviously had a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Obviously, the next question is about the downs. Idea, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so maybe. But watching that IPL auction on TV, I was out in Dubai playing in the PSL and um, it was on TV, woke up at, and it was on quite early, seven, eight in the morning and sat in my hotel room watching that. That was, yeah, that was obviously a pretty special, special day in my life. Um, one that I won't forget. So I'll, I'll probably say that if I'm being honest. When you saw you were snapped up and, uh, or, and your bank account suddenly got a little bit bigger. <laughs> it does, but obviously... The, the draft was in February and the IPL itself didn't start till April or whatever. So you don't get paid until, until you get out there <laughs> and until you, you, know, you, you, you report. So it was, um, yeah, it was a strange two months, but my, uh, yeah, my phone certainly exploded. And then I, went, I was playing out in my team was Luke Wright and Nathan McCullum. I went for breakfast with them that morning and they made me pay for breakfast. That was for sure. Moonrise is a sports engagement website to allow sports fans to learn from the very best. Get a personal video message recorded for a fan's special occasion. Have a professional cricketer as your next coach by getting video feedback or having a 30-minute conversation with some of the world's best players. Players such as Jimmy Neesham, Colin Munro, Tammy Beaumont, Danny Wyatt, Monty Panasar. Visit MoonriseSports.com or go to Moonrise Sports on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Moonrise Cricket, let's play. Let's go back to the, the, the flip side of that. What's been your worst day in cricket? A day that you wouldn't want to relive. If you could write that day out of your career, which one would it be? Uh, again, I've had, I've had a lot of injuries and a lot of downs and a lot of, a lot of tough times. You know, all of the injuries I've had, you know, they've not been fun times. But I'd, I'd say at the time when after I had a reoccurrence of my back injury, I had it first when I was playing for Essex. Then I moved to Sussex, thought I'd kind of seen the back of it. And then it came it came around again and had all the tests done again, scans, blah, blah, blah. And then being 22, yeah, I think it was 22 years old, sat in the boardroom at Sussex with the chief exec, physio, head coach, doctors, all that, and kind of being told, kind of being given my options and being told that retirement was was one of those options that was uh, obviously a, a pretty dark day it wasn't an option I was going to take because obviously the other option was to try and just play T20 cricket so to try and reduce the amount of overs that I was bowling so obviously stop playing four-day cricket but just to hear those words and obviously from the club's point of view they have to tell you to go away think about it and then come back so I remember going back to my flat I was living with my mate at the time who worked up in London Obviously, he didn't get back until kind of six, seven each evening. So just being sat in the flat, kind of all alone, thinking about, you know, just been off of retirement at 22. That was obviously a, you know, a pretty dark day for, for me, but luckily one that didn't didn't bear fruit. Your back injury, I've, I've seen it referred to as a hereditary condition, a, a sort of spinal condition, isn't it? Is that something that's in your family? Is it? Is that the that's that's how I take hereditary? Uh, no, it was congenital apparently, um, right, okay. not hereditary. Again, it's a very long story, but for 
it's a period. It's, it's quite. I forget where it is now. It's, it's um, a few vertebrae's worth of my spine in this. In this, um, basically, your spinal cord runs down through your through your spinal column, and for I don't know, maybe a couple of inches or an inch or so, there's a period where my spinal cord's compressed. There's not much kind of wiggle room in there. If you can imagine, imagine if it's a string in a tube for a little bit, the tube kind of tightens on the on the spinal cord. So the more I bowl obviously a lot of movement in your spine and it was it kind of just it got to a stage where I bowl, I bowl, I bowl and then eventually the spinal cord would get so agitated it would kind of short circuit <laughs> if that makes sense. And yeah. I I'd get um weak like my le- I'd get like a shock or electric shock kind of around my waist, in my legs, pins and needles, weakness in my legs. Um yeah, so obviously the, the kind of the three or four times it happened it it was pretty scary and even now to this day I haven't played a four-day game for over five years now. I've still got numb, numb patches on my right leg, which is residual from kind of those things happening. So it's it's still with me today. But luckily, since I stopped playing four-day cricket and, and focused just on T20s, I've not had a, a reoccurrence of that. So hopefully that'll that'll continue. You did a lot of work with the coaches as well to remodel your action, didn't you? I mean, the way the way I've taken it, rather than be a massive impact in in terms of your action, you try to kind of glide through a little bit more to to lessen that impact and lessen the jarring on your back. Is that is that right? So I didn't actually change my bowling action at all, but we changed. So, so again, I, I I owe a lot to the ECB even after. So I had the injury at the start of the summer with Sussex playing a four day game, then kind of took a month or so out whilst we did the, all the tests and all that. And then I came back and I played played the T20s for Sussex and had a good had a good year, but picked up a load of niggles, wasn't in the best of shape. And then the ECB pretty much took me away for the whole winter on various different camps. I went to South Africa a couple of times, Dubai, pretty much if there was a, you know, I think like the England under-19s had a training camp for South Africa. So I just went along with that so I could go and train outside and obviously not just be stuck in an indoor facility in England. We just looked to change pretty much everything but my bowling action to, to reduce the strain on, on my on my back. So mm. I know it sounds strange, but how you walk, how you run, because I'm quite hypermobile, there's a lot of movement going on. So um, a lot of stretching to kind of loosen up the hips, which then makes your lower, a little bit less stress on your lower back just when you're walking around. Uh, obviously, I didn't know this, but the head SNC at the time, Pete Atkinson, he you know, he'd, he'd just be watching me walk around and stuff and he'd see all this excess movement going on in, in your hips and your lower back and things. So um, a lot of work, a lot of core work and things just to try and, and reduce all that and then improving the running style again, kind of analysing how I run, how I sprint to just reduce the amount of stress that goes through the back. So then when you actually bowl, because bowling is going to stress your back no matter what. So if you can just take away all the other things that we can control, as I said, walking, running, lifting, all that type of stuff then the bowling itself shouldn't um, kind of tip you over the edge. So, you know, so I, I owe a lot to those guys. They put a lot of time and effort into me and it's um, it's obviously paid off. Presumably, I mean, it's four overs in a T20 game, isn't it? Um, maximum. It can, yeah. be, it can be less. Obviously, in a, in a first-class game, it can be 35 overs in a day if it, if it goes horribly wrong for you. <laughs> yeah. Presumably, your body can't cope with that, but it can cope with the four. Is that is that right? Yeah, pretty much. It's there's no there's no um, fancy way I can dress it up. But yeah, since I stopped playing four day cricket and bowling, so basically each time I kind of had a reoccurrence of the shocks and and and, and episodes. It was kind of end of the day, kind of fifteen overs plus, you know, fifteen, seventeen, eighteen overs in the day. That's when it would happen. So the basic 
theory was, okay, so let's try and remove that and see if it doesn't happen. And, and it hasn't so far. So um, yeah, it's literally just been a case of bowling less, irritates my uh, spine less and doesn't cause the, you know, the, the symptoms and the, the episodes that I obviously had when I was playing four-day cricket. So you effectively became one of the world's first white ball cricketers, didn't you? We've seen a few others go down that path since then, but yours was forced upon you. I've, I've often thought about you and thinking that, you know, if this had happened in 1975, or if this had happened even sort of 10, 15 years before when T20 wasn't around, that would have been you gone out of the game, wouldn't it? So you could be quite thankful, really, that that, that format of the game came in and almost saved you. Oh yeah, hundred percent. You're um, you hit it on the head. It, it, as you say, even ten ten years prior, if there were, it, well, and also I at the time I found white ball cricket uh, easier than red ball cricket. I struggled with four day cricket, as I said earlier, with the consistency, the pitches, especially when I was at Essex, didn't really suit my type of bowling. Whereas in one day cricket, I just found my my natural length, which that back of the length, back of the <coughs> back of the length is more effective in, in, in 2020 in one-day cricket. And I just found it easier. If it was the other way around, if I was a genuine, you know, four-day county bowler who was okay at one at, at T20 cricket, then, again, I, there's a decent chance I would have to retire because Sussex might say, oh, look, we don't want to keep you on just to play T20s. But luckily for me, I I, uh, I had a skill set for T20 and also there were opportunities around the world and in England to just play T20. So, um, yeah, I, was, I, I definitely realised that as you say, 10 years ago, if this would have happened, it might not have been the case. How much fun is it bowling at 90 plus miles an hour? Uh, I've, I've had Mark Wood on the on the podcast. I've had a few, I've had Wakar Yunus a few weeks ago, just before the Pakistan series. But in your words, when you are bowling and you're in full force and you are sending that ball down and you know it's all clicking, how much fun is that? Yeah, like, it's tough because you can be bowling 90 miles an hour and getting whacked everywhere. So <laughs> Just because you bowl not just because you bowl ninety mile an hour doesn't automatically mean that you're uh, you're on top, uh, especially with the nature of T Twenty cricket and how good batters are. But when when things are going well and you are clearly on top of the batsman, you're not even having to try that hard. It is kind of like you're floating, and it is a it is a really kind of um, addictive feeling, and it is is one that keeps you going, especially myself throughout all the injuries. The one thing that's kept me going is that every time I've come back from an injury, I've, I've still come back to to good pace. I'm not coming back and then struggling and um, bowling mid 80s anymore. I'm still going to be able to come back and bowl 90 mile an hour. So it is a it is a, it is a good feeling and, and it gives you more margin for error, especially in T20 cricket. The faster you bowl, the more margin for error you have, and you you definitely need that in in T20 cricket when you're playing against some of the best batsmen in the world. You've played in the biggest T20 leagues around the globe, haven't you? The IPL, you've played in the uh, Big Bash, you've played in Pakistan. That must be um, quite interesting to go into those different environments, into the different cultures. Obviously, dressing rooms from around the world every time you enter, there's, there's new players that you, you're working with. That must be quite quite good fun, I would thought. Yeah, I love it. Look, it's a brilliant way to, to spend your life. But, um, it has its challenges as well. Obviously, at the start of my career, 23, 24, 25, uh, just, you know, kind of a single guy traveling around the world playing cricket is awesome. Now you know, I'm married, I've just had a baby, so there's different challenges. So the next the next time I go away, I'm going to be leaving my, my daughter behind. So that's going to be a, a, a challenge. Hopefully it's, I'll be going somewhere where they can potentially come with, but obviously with the pandemic and everything, things aren't as straightforward as, as normal. So yeah, there's a lot of time away from home. Um, but you're right, In the when you're out there, I try and make the most of it. I try to get to know 
guys, you know, eat, eat the local foods. Obviously, that's taken me down sometimes in certain parts of the world. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it's important to try and give back. Mickey Arthur, I was playing in for the Karachi Kings in the PSL a few years ago, and and Mickey Arthur kind of said something to us foreign guys, which which stuck with stuck with me. He was he, he was like, Look, I know you guys are going to do your thing cricket wise. I've got no no problems with that. But if you can, just try and take one of the younger Pakistani guys who may not even play a game, so you know, bowl a batter, whatever, and just try and help them a bit because then that, they'll take that back to their domestic cricket in Pakistan and then that will help raise the standard of Pakistani cricket. So I've kind of taken that on with me to wherever I'm playing. Um, again, Pakistan, Bangladesh, India, Australia, whatever. Just try and try and just 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 help out. As if there's a younger guy, I think that I can see stuff. There's always people in the squads that aren't going to play, but they're obviously they're there every every day training and things. So there's there's lots of opportunities. The nature of T20 cricket is very fickle. Each tournament could be your last one. You're never guaranteed another contract anywhere else. So you've got to make the most of that when when those opportunities come about. Fed up of collecting your team's matchday subs? Worried about carrying cash post-COVID-19? Try slateapp.co.uk. Less contact than contactless. Slate, the smartest way to collect weekly match fees and more. Download the app, slateapp.co.uk. Not just for cricket, any clubs that collect subs. It just makes sense. Stick it on the slate. slateapp.co.uk. Your Sussex teammate Phil Salt was on the podcast during lockdown and he spent time in Pakistan in the leagues there and Lahore Qalandas and he, he was telling me stories about the young Pakistan players coming up to him and saying, how can we get better? Um, very, very keen, want to be professional players, want to play around the world, want to do what you, you guys do. And he was saying that he, he was quite an eye-opener talking to some of those about some of the conditions they actually played in back home. The, the field, their fielding in that tournament uh, that was out in Abu Dhabi was awful because effectively yeah. they, were, they were playing on ploughed fields. And he's, you know, how, how can you get better um, when you're playing in those kind of conditions? And Phil says it was quite interesting. He was sat on the plane on the way home thinking about that and realising how lucky he was to have grown up in England on some of the, on, on some of the pitches that he's played on. You must have had similar kind of chats, I guess. Yeah, you're right. And a lot of these guys, they just play on, you know, they're playing tape ball cricket on concrete or just kind of abandoned fields that have been cleared out that you say are horrible. So you, you can't field well. <laughs> you can't. Uh, it's, um, it, is, it is true. A lot of these guys that kind of spring spring up out of nowhere. You think of guys like Harris Ralph, they're tape ball cricketers that, Kind of get found and, and brought into into T Twenty cricket and and are now flourishing. So yeah, you're right. Even though I didn't have the the most kind of stereotypical route into cricket, but it's it was still a much easier route than a lot of guys have around the world. So you're right. When you go to these places, you go to Bangladesh, Pakistan, and the like, and and you just see the pure hunger and pure love and desire to, to play cricket. It, it does put it into perspective. Doesn't it? Let's get back to the 20 questions because I'm conscious that I've asked about 10 that weren't on the list. So we'll get back to the uh, the, re- the real questions. The, the next one is actually, who was your cricket hero when young? We've covered that a little bit, really, that you weren't really into cricket. There weren't any posters on the Tim L. Mills wall when you were a kid of cricketers. No. It, were the sporting heroes, though? Yeah, so you're right. I, like, I can't, I get asked that a lot. And I, I honestly say I didn't have a cricket hero growing up. I didn't, until the 05 Ashes, I didn't watch cricket at all. So... Yeah, I was a big football fan. I'm a Norwich City fan for my for my sins. That's that's where I grew up near Norwich. So, no, I don't have had any heroes as such. I'm not really a, a hero kind of guy, but I admire people from a whole range of sport. Uh, I love sport. I'm a big you know big into my American sport. 
uh, more so in the last kind of five six years. But yeah, I just I just love sports. I don't know if I if I could, could kind of say I have a hero as such, but I just did, I just love watching sport all the time. If you could trade lives with any current cricketer for a day, you live in their skin, you have their skills, you experience what it's like to be them for that day. Who would you pick? Ooh, good question. Good question. Uh, it's tough because you you know you think of some of these Indian guys, Virat Kohli, etc. But I know speaking to Ishan Sharma when he played for us, the social obviously side of life is tough. They can't go out. They can't do normal things that we can do. I know Ishan loved coming to play for Sussex because he was able to just to. Uh, you know, walk, <laughs> go out of his house and go for a walk, go yeah. to the beach and stuff. So um, you have to take everything into consideration, I guess. But um, like I'd, obviously I can't bat for Toffee, so I'd love to maybe uh, be, be someone like Josh Butler, I guess, who can just whack it out of the park. I'm going to put you in charge of world cricket for a day. Your name's on the door, you've got the big desk. If you could change one thing about the world of cricket, what would you change? Again, good question. I think you, sh- you should be able to bowl two bouncers in a T20 game. I've always I've always been a champion for that. If you can in fifty over cricket, why can't you in 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 T Twenty cricket? So I'll uh, I'll stick with that one for my for my one rule I've changed. It's very much a batsman's game, isn't it? T Twenty and you exactly. I mean, I've, I've been watching uh, the the recent England Australia series, and every single ball, every yep. single bowler that gets wided for a, a bouncer that's above head height chunters under their breath. But you all know the rules, don't you? So what is there to chunter about? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's nothing to chunter. It's just when it's a bit contentious, I guess. Uh, it's even worse in the blast because for some reason it's a no ball. It's not a wide, but it's not a free hit. So, I, again, I, I don't quite understand the rules there. But, but yeah, it, it is a batsman's game. You touched on it. I'm not going to say anything other than other to, um, to contradict that. <laughs> Your current Sussex coach, uh, uh, Dizzy Gillespie, who I know very well, who set this interview up. So thank you to Dizzy, because I'm sure he'll listen to this. He came up with one where he said that if uh, he would rule out leg buys, because it's the, the bowler beats the bat, the fielding team still gets penalised, the batting side still gets a run because the batsman's missed the ball. Would you would you go along with him? Yeah, I've, I've not actually heard that before, but now now I've heard it, it does, does make sense, I guess. And leg buys is a pretty common or very common kind of run run score in cricket so yeah any anything to keep the score down I'm, I'm happy <laughs> if you were starting your career again I'm going to let you text yourself or send yourself a letter when you were say 13 before you'd even discovered cricket what would you give yourself in terms of advice what might you do differently if you had your time again what saying my career would still go the same way that it did well you wouldn't know that at the time I guess well you, well, you would know that because you, you, you now aren't you writing to yourself I guess so yeah yeah, yeah I guess so still, <laughs> you know everything that's going to happen to you well, I guess I'd, I'd focus more on white ball cricket even earlier if I knew that I was going to have to retire from red ball cricket at 22. And then I'd also, I'd have probably had more of a focus on fitness, running, etc. at a younger age. Yeah, so hopefully come my mid-20s, you know, picking up less soft tissue injuries and things like that that I'm having to now catch up on and make up for lost time. It's funny with you because I, I assumed that you were older than you are it's not because I've seen you on television and think oh flipping like he looks 45 because yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you seem to have been around for ages and because you only crop up on my screens every now and again in T20 franchise cricket and T20 blast I guess sure. you, you go under the radar in my consciousness you're still only 28 aren't you so you've got, you got plenty of time yeah, ahead of you. yeah exactly and you know, everybody like, I know I don't look 28 I look a bit older than that obviously the bald head and um, <laughs> bit of a tough paper around my missus always lets me know that I look I look old on the TV and stuff but um yeah, look, as you say, I've been what, professional since I was 18, 19 and came on the scene quite early, I guess. 
And then, obviously, as you say, playing T20 cricket, you're not on the screen every day. So, yeah, as I said, look, I've just turned 28. was 28 in August. So, uh, I'm hopeful if I can stay fit. I've got a good five years or so, hopefully playing playing the T20 stuff, hopefully more. But that's kind of a, a little kind of mini goal I've set myself for now, just being realistic with how my career has gone so far. Um, but, yeah, I'm, at the moment, I'm feeling really good. I did a lot of work during lockdown. I used lockdown to, to work on running and 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 get fitter and I definitely feel the benefits of that just in this blast so far through five games I feel kind of lighter running around in the field I'm not blowing towards the end of overs and things so I think hopefully I've stumbled across something that will uh, keep me going for over the next few years. Yeah happy birthday for 10 days ago I think it was wasn't it the uh, at the time of recording obviously the fact that you only play T20 and some of the other bowlers in your kind of era are bowling those 30 over stints in a day and and bowling in red ball cricket as well. Obviously, you've got the injury as part of the, the, the equation here, but it, it potentially extends your lifespan a little bit, doesn't it? Of course, in theory, um, it's just on me to, to do what I've got to do around that to, to stay in the park. Like, even though I've only been playing T20 cricket, I've still picked up many injuries. I had a stress fracture last year. I've torn my hamstring three times, I think. So, um, look, I've not um, I've not found it easy still. I'm probably, you know, I'm not built like your average cricketer. So it's as, as I said, uh, hopefully I've kind of come across a, a regime and um, a routine that, that that suits me and 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 keeps me on the park. But that's on me now to to maintain that. Hopefully for a, for a period of time, which is something that I've not been able to do. And um, that's all I'm focusing on at the moment, really. We're going to get on to some questions now that aren't necessarily cricket. You can you can give cricket answers if you want to, but it can be anything you think. Yeah. They say all rock stars want to be sportsmen and vice versa. You know, every time I watch a cricket match, the players are playing football ahead of the game and want to be footballers. If you could have been famous doing something completely different, what would you have chosen? I think I'd still be sportsman, I think. I've gotten into golf recently, this last winter. When I knew I was going to, I had an injury and I knew I was going to be here all winter. So I thought I need to, I need to do something and I've got a bit of a golf bug. So if you could be a, a top golfer around the world, that's, uh, that's pretty appealing, to be honest. Those guys obviously live a live a pretty pretty special life. Um, God, I'd have to think away from away from sport, but sport's been obviously my whole life, so um, I'd I'd struggle to do anything other than that. I think if you could meet anybody, living or dead, who would you like to meet? It's that kind of dinner party question. Who would you three or four guests that you want around the table to have a good natter with? <laughs> I'm a big fan of the Peter Crouch podcast. I think he's a he's a laugh. I'd like to I'd like to sit down with Crouch. Who else? Idris Elba. He's 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 a pretty cool bloke. I'm yeah, a big fan of him. Um, oh, stuff. I wish I would have. Uh, when you offered to send me the questions before, I wish I'd have said yes, yeah, so I could have a think about this. But um, <laughs> I'm not sure. Sorry, I, have to, I don't want to. I don't want to waste. I don't want to waste one. He, he turned down the opportunity, listeners. He, he thought he could wing it. <laughs> I, I know. I thought, I thought incorrect. Um, you just mentioned Idris Elba. This could be the answer to this question. If it was going to be a movie about your life, it's Mills the movie. It's at cinemas near you <laughs> next week. Who would play you in the starring role? Yeah, I'm not sure I'm as good looking as Idris, so I'd have to, I'd have to, um, I'd have to go down a little bit. There's actually, I, I, this is, I can't really answer the question, but recently I, I kept. I'm sure if you type it in on Twitter or something, I kept getting tagged. There's a, a some big Turkish TV show. It's like a big famous Turkish TV show. And there's, there's a guy, one of the main characters, to be fair, we look exactly like each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll, um, I'll maybe, I'll try and, I'll dig out a link and I'll send it to you privately. But um, I know it's not really one I can answer because I don't know the actor's name, but we do look very similar. <laughs> <laughs> 
What's the last time you can remember feeling really nervous? Are you, are you in your profession? Do you get nervous before a T twenty, or do you take it in your stride? Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a nervous person. Um, I, I I love the big occasion. I, I, I'll often find myself doing rising to kind of the bigger occasions. I like the crowd. I'm a bit of a show pony in that regard. I was nervous. Well, I was nervous. My daughter was born nine weeks ago. That was all a bit nerve-wracking we were in the hospital for a while so I was a little bit nervous there but when it comes to cricket you know I, I don't get nervous I might get nervous if I'm next into bat and there's a quick bowler on but um, when, when I've got the ball in hand I'm you know I'm, I'm where I want to be. Are you, are you nervous before the red light goes on that tv camera or are you okay in that environment as well? Again I actually all right I, 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 I make sure I prepare when I'm doing tv work that's one thing that when I'm listening to radio or watching TV, if you see somebody that you, you know hasn't prepared, it, it shows up. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? If somebody doesn't know what they're talking about. So I try my best to stick to, to what I know and then to, or, and or to make sure I've prepared well enough. So when I'm, you know, I'm on camera and I'm talking cricket or whatever, I, I'm actually talking sense and I'm not just making stuff up. What's the top item on your bucket list? Things to do before you die, number one. I'm not really a bucket list kind of guy. I'm very content. I'm very content uh, in most situations. I, you know, lockdown was not a struggle for me. I'm, I'm, I got myself in a little routine, and I was pretty content. I'd like to travel. It's, 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 it's not like a, I don't have a number one thing. But I, I definitely, you know, me and my wife and my daughter, when she's a bit older, to go to some, you know, some more obscure places, maybe, and travel, travel a bit, see some of the, you know, there's so much in the world that, although I've travelled a lot with, it's been with cricket, so you're, you're limited to. To what you can see or how long you get to go and see things so I definitely just want to travel um, as, as kind of time gets on. You've mentioned your daughter a few times now and on your WhatsApp picture there's a really cute picture of you holding your daughter above your head <laughs> and she, she's a, an absolute yeah. cutie. I guess that might shape your answer to uh, this uh, next question. Are you a morning or a night person? I guess your days of rolling out a nightclub at 6am are, are probably behind you now. Aren't they? <laughs> yeah definitely. Um, yeah that when I was younger I used to enjoy going out as I said I used to be obviously single traveling around doing what I want but um I've, I've always been all right with the mornings before when I when I was yeah 14 15 16 I, I used to work on the fruit and vegetable before going to school a few mornings a week so that was a that was a 5 a.m start in all weathers which was it was right in the summer but in the in the winter it was tough so I've always been okay with the mornings once I'm up once I'm physically out of bed and up I'm, I'm okay so and then now, yeah, I used to, I used to rarely go to sleep before midnight, but now Delphi's here, it's, it's, yeah, you, you, you crash out a lot earlier. Have you been pulling your weight in this? Have you been changing the nappies, getting up for that 3am feed? Yeah, yeah, I do it. The only, the only rule I've, I've had so far, which my wife's been, been kind enough to agree to is, you know, the night before a match, I'm, uh, I'm downstairs, I'm in the spare room, I'm doors, the door shut and I'm, uh, I'm getting my sleep in. That's, that's been the only, only rule apart from that I'm uh yeah I'm there I'm helping out I'm I'm, I'm doing it all that's why you want to play so much isn't it <laughs> you, you get a night off <laughs> exactly it's, it's nice at the moment obviously with the blast we're playing pretty much every other day so it means every other night I'm uh I'm getting a good night's sleep <laughs> on a scale of one to ten ten is the coolest man in the world the Fonz or somebody uh in that era in that uh, in the current era in that kind of guys how cool would you say you were the Fonz Do you know the Fonz yeah, that's way way before my time. <laughs> but he, he he was the coolest man on television. He used to kind of punch the jukebox and mend uh, okay. it and stuff like that. On a scale of one to ten, are you are you the Fonz at number ten, or are you the uncoolest man in the world? Where would you rate yourself? 
I'd like to think I'm above average without being, you know, really, really cool. My cool range probably come down. I probably was a bit, maybe a bit cool. Actually, no, now I'm a dad. My cool range might come up a bit. I might be cool for a dad. I don't know. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give myself a seven. A seven. Okay. If you had access to a time machine, you can go anywhere you want, any year you want to. You can go forwards or backwards. Where would you take, where would you drive that machine to? Uh, I don't think I'll go forwards because obviously you don't know what you're going forward to. So if I was to go back in time, what at, like at my current age, obviously. Yeah, yeah. It's the time machine's in your garage yeah. now and you can drive uh, it anywhere you want. <laughs> it's a good question. I think I'd, I'd maybe just go back to when I was born, so the early 90s, and just see what, what life was like back then for a 20-something-year-old. I'm sure it was extremely different to what it was now. So, yeah, I'll, I'll say that. If you could live anywhere in the world, if you're happy where you are now, it's a second home that I'm offering you. I'm, I'm actually not really offering you this, by the way. I'm not going to send you the money to buy this. Um, but if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Oh, again, great question. I think New Zealand would be up there. I think I, I did six weeks playing for the Auckland Aces a few years ago, and like I really enjoyed New Zealand. Beautiful country, so much to see, so much to do. Great people. I'd be hard pressed to to find anywhere else other than and the New Zealand. I think probably been so far away from everything, but um, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll go with New Zealand. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would you change? I've got some of the worst feet in in world sport. <laughs> they're just they're, they're uh, I won't send you a picture, but yeah, I've got toes that haven't grown since I was about eleven. So I've got kind of two really long toes and three really short ones, and. Obviously, I've got fast bowlers' feet. They're all beat up, nails off everywhere. So um, I'm sure my wife would, would definitely say my feet. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds lovely. <laughs> That's but a lovely picture. Yeah, it's, it's, like it's, it's, a sort of gnarled hobbit yeah, feet really that just come into my head there. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not the best looking feet in the world. What will you be doing in 10 years' time? 38. 10 years. So, yeah, 38. I can't, I can't imagine I'll still be playing cricket. I definitely won't be playing club cricket. <laughs> Um, you know, I'd like to think I'll, I'll, I'll have a, you know, some sort of career in the media. I'll have, obviously I said, spoke about my daughter a lot. She'll be obviously 10, might have another kid or two in between now and then. So I'd, I'd like to think I'll just be splitting my time between, uh, working and, you know, doing a few different bits around the media and then just spending time with the family. Really, that's the, that's the plan. Jamal Mills, we've got to question number 20. And this is one that some people struggle with and some people don't actually completely understand it. So I'm going to have to try and read it out as I've written it here. If you've been picking these okay. questions, if you've been interview, if you've been me interviewing you today, is there a question you would ask yourself to get a great and exclusive answer? A secret, basically, that you've never told anybody else before? Oh, that is a very good question. Um, I think with myself, the standard questions that you ask and kind of, you have asked give quite unique answers if that makes sense um i don't obviously i've not had a a, a normal path into cricket or a normal journey so i, I think i quite give quite a good answer anyway or i hope so at least. if you wanted to ask something that, that you wouldn't know about me I, I, I just mentioned about my my horrible feet <laughs> um which is a little a little nugget that again i'm sure some people probably didn't want to know Honestly, I might have to just be another one of those people that can't really answer that. I think it's it's a very good question. <laughs> I'll I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll substitute it with a different one. Then as question number twenty. Obviously, as a, somebody that's played in the IPL before, 
and experience what it's like yeah. to play in India. How do you think yeah. it's going to be in, in Abu Dhabi, Sharjah and, uh, and Dubai? It's going to be a completely different nature tournament. Do you think it'll still be exciting? On the Cricket Badger podcast, we're going to go bonkers about the IPL over the next two months. I'm really looking forward to it. It's yeah. going to be, but it's going to be a different kind of competition, isn't it? It will, yeah. Look, I've played a lot of cricket in the UAE. Obviously, the PSL was held out there for the first couple of years, and I've been a part of that. Um, yeah, it won't be the same. The, the, the IPL is unrivaled in terms of fanfare, stadium size, attendance. It's it's brilliant. I remember obviously playing out there and just being stood, I think I was down at Fine Leg or somewhere when I was playing at Eden Gardens in front of 65,000, 70,000, wherever it was, and it is a type of occasion where you look around and, and you just realise how special it is and you, you soak it in. It won't be the same in, in that regard, but the cricket will still be of an extremely high level. You've still got the best players in the world all playing T20 cricket there. So it'll be a really intense cricket, especially those games in Sharjah and Abu Dhabi where it's a little bit easier to bat. There'll still be some good scores. But yeah, it's just a need must and, and you crack on really. And uh, yeah, it won't quite be the same, but it's better than nothing, isn't it? RCB, your previous team, they've never won it. Can this be their year? Have you still got an affection for them? As a, are they your IPL side? Yeah, look, obviously, things didn't go exactly how I wanted when I went out there. I got injured after four games or whatever it was, and I still feel like I've got unfinished business in the IPL, so hopefully I'll get the opportunity to go back and play at some point, whether this year as a replacement player or, or in the future. Um, but yeah, look, I always keep a keep an eye out on the team. Obviously, that's the only team I've been affiliated to. And look, when you've got Virat Kohli and A.B. de Villiers, uh, Yuzvendra Chahal, etc., in, in your team, you've you've got as good a chance as anybody is winning it. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching it. I'm doing some commentary for the BBC, I think, for the for the games, and um, yeah, I'll be I'll be keeping a keen eye on it. They've always had some big stars, haven't they? What was it like walking into that dressing room in uh, for the you know, the Royal Challenges? Yeah, it was cool, as you said. What we had Coley, Gale, De Villiers, Shane Watson. Yeah, we had, we had a pretty good team. We I think we finished bottom that year. But uh, <laughs> yeah, they're all they're all good guys. They're, they are just guys at the end of the day. They're all just cricketers. You know, in the dressing room, there's all the banter around the hotel. You're just playing table tennis, all those all those bits and bobs. And um, obviously, when you're when you're on the field, you're, you're switching on the best that you can. So yeah, you just got to you just go in there and you, you just get to know each other and just be yourself. Just be confident. Be laid back. All the best. One thing with all the best cricketers, all these biggest names, is you know, cricket doesn't define them. They're, they're, they're very good at being able to switch between on the field and off the field. So, yeah, it was, it was a really good experience to get to meet and hang around with those guys. Everybody that comes on the Cricket Badger podcast takes on the 20 questions, ultimately realises it's probably about 50 questions that I, I ask you. You've been fantastic <laughs> on this, uh, this podcast, uh, Tim. I'll, I'm just going to ask you one more, if I may. Sussex Sharks, uh, yeah, sure. well well placed in the T20 Blast at the moment. You're playing well, your team's playing well, you've got some very good players in that side as well. Chance to go all the way, I guess. Yeah, look, we that's always our objective. We know we've got a strong T20 side on paper. We've got you know plenty of guys that have played international cricket, guys that have played all around the world. This year is obviously, as most teams are, a bit weaker. Obviously, we've no overseas players. We were due to have Rashid Khan and, and Travis Head. We've obviously lost Laurie Evans as well since then. So we, you know, we, we aren't as strong as what we might have. Uh, Chris Jordan's only got one more game for us and he goes off to the IPL so yeah it's, we're not as strong as strong on paper Phil Salt's with England now which is which is great as well so um, but yeah we want to win it we feel we've got a good chance to win it and um, obviously we, we lost in the final a couple of years ago lost in the quarterfinal last year so all of us are, are desperate to, to kind of put that right and, and, and to go all the way even though it's not quite the same this year with no crowd and things like that but you still you know we're still in it to win it that's for sure we started well 
I wish you all the best with that. I wish you all the best for the uh, rest of the season and for the rest of your career. And I hope to see you on a TV screen near me again soon because uh, you do very well on that as well. I've seen some quite good social media comments in response to your appearances on the TV. So hopefully that continues long into the future as well. And thank you very much, Tim L. Mills, for being a guest on the Cricket Badger podcast today. No worries. Thanks for having me, mate. Take care. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.